Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but I said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how our life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Welcome back to Movie Talk. On today's show, we are talking about the release plan for The Irishman, not going nationwide after all. And then after that, we're talking Disney Plus again because, hey, surprise, surprise, there's going to be no R-rated content over there. Is anyone surprised? Probably not, but this does open up the door to some major possibilities for competing streaming services out there. And I get to talk about all of that with Haley Fouch, who you know and love, but right now we have a very important introduction to make. <laughs> this right here is our good buddy, Matt Donato. Matt has made the trek from New York to L.A., so well, I live here now, that's a pace that better be back. gracing that yeah. set. So you have to come back in now. Often. Well, invite me. I hope I just don't screw this okay. up royally. Only, <laughs> my first time. Like, let's get through one show. You, you got to keep the t-shirt, uh, the t-shirt hype up every single time. I guarantee you, I will outdo myself in the t-shirt if you keep inviting me back. Okay, I like well, the sound of that. Return of the living. Need to. You got the colliders colors going. I feel it's like just, you're off to a really strong that. start. I walked in. I was like, I don't want to brand yeah. too hard, but apparently I did. No, you did. I'm the only one who didn't get the branding memo today. Oh, I like. Had to, <laughs> I had to really remind bold. myself what shirt I was wearing. Like 95 percent of my life, I'm not wearing a Jurassic Park. <laughs> How you doing, Ellie? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. We've been uh, we've been piling up the It Chapter Two content, haven't we? Yeah, I've been in a real It bubble. Yep. So it should be interesting to talk about other movies. I are can't... there other movies? There are other movies that exist, but <laughs> wow. I can't wait to to pop that bubble and at least unleash the flood of content we have coming. Should that makes you any sense at all? Yeah, I know. We made a huge balloon. mistake. I don't know. Oh, Whatever. My brain's not working, but hopefully it will <laughs> in a minute because we're going to jump into topic number one right now. IndieWire is reporting that Netflix could not convince major theater chains to budge for the new Martin Scorsese movie, The Irishman. The theater chains were worried about opening up the floodgates of abbreviated releases, and so The Irishman will be in indie theaters for three weeks only. 
per IndieWire. On November 1st, it's going to open in Los Angeles and New York, followed by a platform release in the U.S. and the U.K. November 8th, adding more theaters each weekend on November 15th and November 22nd. When it premieres on Netflix November 27th, it will see an expanded theatrical release in the U.S., an international market. So we were talking about this topic a few movie talks ago. The hope was to give it a nationwide release as many traditional movie studios give to their movies. And we thought that because it's Martin Scorsese, Netflix was going to make it work one way or the other. It turns out it's not the case. So who would you say is the loser in this situation? Is it Netflix for not getting the nationwide release or is it the theater chains for not screening an epic Martin Scorsese movie? I will start here and I will say it is the theaters 100% because everyone that they've lost to streaming at this point probably isn't coming back. And especially for a Scorsese film, that is such a big deal. Like we're not talking about one of their indies that they produce to throw on a screen somewhere. We're talking about a massive uh, major motion picture that needs to be screened on a big screen. And you're still going to get Scorsese fans coming out to see it. I don't care if they have a Netflix subscription. They're still going to want to see it and preserve the cinematic quality on screen and those are the uh, watchers that you have to cater to you don't want to lose them because you've already lost a lot of the masses to netflix and subscription services now you still have to play to the fans that you're still going to retain so i have a follow-up question for you because one of the issues the last time we covered the story is that theater chains were concerned that this could be the tipping point right. for theatrical right. releasing that if they make an exception for netflix right now then who knows in the future traditional studios like like Disney and Universal, they're going to want smaller windows too. So when you take that into account, does your answer stay the same? But is that not also the future? I mean, everything evolves. This is the issue. They're trying to fight streaming right now, and streaming is not killing cinema. It's how you adapt. The cinematic experience is still thriving in other areas. So for theaters chains like AMC that are seeing declining scales, uh, sales, maybe not because of what's streaming, maybe because you don't want to pay $5 for a bottle of water, maybe because in New York City when I went to a midnight mm-hmm. screaming, like, there were like homeless people in the front row that were just kind of like laying there. And you know, this experience itself is what I'm paying for to see a movie. And streaming is not killing that. It's just offering something different. So look at the Alamo, which is expanding. Alamo Draft House Cinemas. Every other month, I feel like they're opening a new cinema somewhere else because they figured out how to make it work. Good food, an atmosphere that movie lovers can actually go to and enjoy a movie in that realm. And also, it's run by people who love movies. So you're now attracting audiences and expanding while AMC is going down the drain. So that kind of it, it hits that argument right off the table. Are you on the, uh, the same side of the divide, Haley? Uh, similarly, I'm... I've talked about Alamo before and how they're sort of beating the game a little bit. Uh, in addition to what you said about the experience and the atmosphere, it's also they've built community, which I think is yeah. sort of the path forward for theater, since it is the whole crux of going to a theater is the communal experience. But um, I, w- I would also say, yes, theaters probably are in this circumstance, the ones taking the hit. However, that that fight for the window is like, the fight they've been waging for a few years mm-hmm. now to preserve windows. Yeah. And I, I understand it's sort of their one of their last big battles left to have. But I also think that Matt is right in that it's almost like that fight is almost over. Like it's just it is the future. Windows are going to shrink. I remember interviewing uh, Jason Blum about this last year and he was like, yeah, it's just a matter of time. Like, we're all trying to fight it as hard as we can, but absolutely, it's just going to happen one I day. I just wonder what 
it feels like there could be another battle to fight to preserve their business because I kind of agree with you. I mean, we're at that tipping point. There's no turning back. They have to accommodate each other and there's no other way to look at it. But bringing up some of the points that you just made, Matt, what about just the theater experience? Figure out something to bring the price down with concession stand items. Uh, Take down the price of movie tickets in general. Is there anything else that the theater chains could do other than trying to figure out the release window thing in order to keep business alive and thriving the tricky thing about like pricing on water popcorn all that is that most of the ticket sales like a significant amount of money goes directly back to the studio so that's how the theaters actually stay alive is by selling their merchandise their foods and goods Uh, but again i do think that tips back into matt's point which is make the food really good make Make it better yeah make it a great experience to partake of that food and the drinks and the the milkshakes and all the good stuff that you want to have that you go specifically you're like oh i'm going to alamo i'm getting a milkshake you know like you do so and a cookie sampler and a cookie sampler i'm just (laughs) gotta get the whole order right um yeah it's it's a tricky thing and i understand like the desire to preserve those windows is they're significantly valuable and i think that maybe maybe there's uh, something to that irishman wasn't necessarily the one to to break that for because as much as we love scorsese that's not going to generate enough money for them probably in terms of ticket sales to justify breaking that this time maybe if it was you know like I don't know, something on par of a Disney release. But it's still Scorsese. It's still a loaded cast of veterans that a lot of people would turn up to see. And it's a lot of those people, too, might not have streaming subscriptions if you're looking at the older generations. Mm-hmm. So now you've just lost out on a big market demographic just because of this window thing. And also, going back to the Almos and that nature, I mean, it's just business. At, at, a, at a certain point, it becomes just business. And as someone who loves movies, obviously, like, I would love to say it's about the experience and keeping that and retaining that. It's business, and you look at the Alamo, which is expanding tremendously. I mean, I left New York with the Brooklyn Alamo. They're already building one in Manhattan. One is coming to Staten Island. So they're not only invading markets that are, like, off the radar, and it's like, oh, you have to drive out of nowhere to get an Alamo. Like, no, Alamo is getting everywhere. They just opened L.A., and there's a reason that they are thriving, just like there is a reason why AMC is failing. And AMC resisting that future even more is just going to doom them. And not even AMC, like AMC, Regal, all the big ones Mm -hmm. that are all showing decline. Resistance is not how you actually run a business. So bringing up the money question now, we've got a question from the live chat from Thelonious who's asking, with the budget for The Irishman pushing $200 and most people seeing it on Netflix, how profitable can it be? I feel like the last number that I saw, and granted, these are all reported production budgets. We don't have an official number. was something like it's over 160. Mm. So, I I mean, really, I wouldn't be surprised if with all the digital effects they've done, it's come anywhere close to $200 but I think the last number I've seen reported is above just above 160 well that's another tricky thing about netflix in terms of how they're disrupting what does profitable mean to netflix we don't know we don't know their numbers they won't tell us that's their prerogative they could be operating at a loss and we wouldn't even know there's no way they're not half the time (laughs) exactly there's there's no way i want those numbers look at at how many people subscribe how many people are paying ten dollars twenty dollars do that math like yeah, yeah they have an insane profitability but what, how many billion are they spending on original content, too? So it's like, you never want to be first to a market. And I keep coming back to business. I'm sorry, this is movie <laughs> talk. And I keep going back to business things, but that's my daily life. It's part and of the game. You don't want to be first to a market because, number one, you get that success. And you skyrocket. And that's Netflix. And like they figured it out first. 
Now everyone else is figuring it out. And Netflix is just going to keep doing this because they're holding on to content. Mm-hmm. They want to keep that originality content and they're just churning and burning while everyone else now is. And we'll get to that later. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here when we talk about Disney. But oh, um, yeah, yeah I, I feel like Netflix is kind of like, I don't know. I'll, I'll save that for after. They're, they're going to have a hard time soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think we are in agreement on that. There, there's that was, some real rude awakenings coming in their way. I think that was my biggest takeaway from the Disney Plus panel. Yeah. It's just, you know, we report on project after project after they're announced. It was a completely different thing seeing yeah. everything up on one screen, everything up on one stage. And they really do have content for everyone, for Star Wars fans, for Marvel fans, for super young kids looking for new cartoons and other kid-friendly material, like animated, live act. They have everything. They have a Jeff Goldblum show. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you compete with that, but we're going to discuss that further in story number two today, which, of course, is no R-rated content on Disney+. Plus. But before we get there... You have to watch some brand new Collider content coming your way soon, like Heroes. Here's a promo from Koi. Hi, I'm Koi Jandro, host of Collider Heroes, and I'm here to tell you we've got 20-minute episodes coming at you on Collider Video, on the YouTube, as you've always loved it. Plus, now we've got hour-long podcasts dropping every Thursday, so make sure to subscribe to the podcast because it's going to get even more sweaty on the podcast. Plus, Every week, we're going to try to get some very special guest interviews, all of the people that help shape these movies and TV shows you love. So, video, podcast, interviews all coming at you. Be sure to subscribe. Thanks so much, guys. Stay sweaty. In addition to Heroes, there are so many shows up on the Collider Weekly podcast feed right now, all well worth listening to. We have Dave Trumbor's animation show. We, of course, have the Collider.com podcast with Matt Goldberg and Adam Chitwood. And then on top of that, we've got the Snyder Cut, which, of course, is Jeff Snyder's show. Check that out. Listen to that on Podcast One, wherever you get your podcast. Great content across the board. All right. Moving over to Disney Plus now. According to some sweet from tweets from entertainment reporter Eric Vespi, Disney Plus will not include R-rated content. While he was at D23, apparently he stopped by a Disney Plus demo, and here's what he tweeted from the convention. I asked about R-rated content, if any of Fox's more adult fare will make it onto Disney+, and he said that Disney+, Plus will be all PG-13 or softer. I wonder if this will be their weakness that other streaming services can exploit. He followed that up by saying, I followed up asking if Fox's harder edge stuff would end up on Hulu and just got a smile, and that's a good assumption in return. So, I mean, dumb question to start, but does this surprise you at all? Did you ever think we were going to get a piece of R-rated content on Disney Plus? No, never. No. Tis the mouse. No, ma'am. You go, you go under that umbrella, that's the end of it. Yeah. So... I do want to run with one of the points he makes in his tweets, though. So that is one thing. Because I was just talking before about how much Disney Plus has. That will be one of the only things that it is lacking is R-rated fares. So how can other streaming services out there exploit that possible weakness? I think it's something that that streaming services will be able to exploit in a way to self-promote, but not in any way to hurt Disney. Disney's brand is built around that. That's why yeah. we all just said, no, we didn't think that was going to happen. It's not going to be a negative for Disney Plus at all not to be showcasing that content, especially when Disney owns such a huge stake. And Hulu is offering their combo packaging. They're fine. They're covered. And as long as my alien films end up on one <laughs> of the services, we're going to be okay. Yeah, there's no... There's no reason to worry there. I, I don't understand. As you said before, we're not shocked about this. We knew this is what was happening. And the Hulu subscription being part of the Disney Plus subscription, I'm going to have both of those. And 
honestly, I'm going to start thinking about maybe not having Netflix anymore because Word. as we get into Netflix and Ooh, their boy. original content, they are losing by the day more and more of these shows that are syndicated, shows that you're going back and watching and putting on the background and not even noticing it. I'm seeing more and more. I go to Netflix, browse the catalog, go, I've either seen this or I don't care about this, and then I go right back on Hulu. See, this is where I do think Netflix can kind of, you know, dig their feet in the ground a little bit because, I mean, this is just because it's fresh in my mind right now because I am currently watching season three of Glow, but there's a show with nudity in it that they can't have, so I can't cancel my Disney Plus, uh, my Disney Plus, my Netflix subscription if I want that kind of content. And the same goes for, you know, stuff like Hill House. Disney Plus isn't going to make Hill House. So the more that Netflix, in my mind at least, for, you know, and this is just based on my personal taste. It's not across the board. But the more content like that that Netflix gives me that I definitely can't get on Disney Plus, that is going to sway me a little. I think it heavily depends on how they wind up beefing up Hulu. If that's where a lot of the Fox content goes, that is going to change the game. Because at this point in time, the only thing that really is keeping me a Hulu subscriber is Handmaid's Tale. Which is a very R-rated show. So yeah. you, you've got right there an example of how Disney can kind of have their cake and eat it too. And that's, you know... Ultimately, if if they're able to make content on the level of things like Glow, which I, I think is exceptional on Netflix's best show, so it's yeah. not really a fair yeah. comparison. No, 100%. So but um, if they can turn that kind of stuff out on Hulu, then what they've done there is actually probably pretty smart because that's almost ensuring that people are going to get the multi-package. If you want both kinds mm. of content, you got to get both streaming services. But what if you have to pick now? Because I come back to my oversaturation. Mm-hmm. Because what if the American household cannot have every single streaming service and afford that and whatnot? And when it comes down to it, are they going to get Disney? Probably. If you're in like a yeah. normal American household and you have children and stuff of that nature, you're going to go with Disney. Hulu comes with that. You're going to go with Hulu. I'm a horror fan. I have Shudder. Then you have Amazon Prime. Criterion. Like the list is just yeah. becoming greater and greater. And I think, again, for me, Netflix, based on what they output and when they start losing more and more contracts, they're kind of the last one that I'm going to go to. And they are the last one I go to right now. Yep. Not that I want to rag on Netflix and I care about it, because they do have content I love, as you said, Glow before. And their horror output recently has been great with things like The Ritual and stuff like that. But it's few and far between. And again, they're not getting you hyped about things. I, I don't know. Netflix also has this issue where things just drop. And I, either I don't know about it and I don't care about it, versus all these other, you know, th- these other streaming platforms have figured out the marketing very good aspect. Point. They're but not going to be able to get away with that no. anymore. No, I think they not. could yeah. because everybody was already on Netflix and it'd be like, oh, what's this new thing? Because this is the one platform mm-hmm. that everybody had. But that's not... Like, can they get by with Stranger Things? Like, that's literally the question now. Like, can Netflix get by with Stranger Things? Well, the other thing is they do keep canceling their most, to me, their most Mm -hmm. interesting content. Santa Clarita. And they're Santa Clarita, the OA, and they're not doing it in a way where they're like, okay, so we have a two to three year contract on the show, so tell a good story for those times and then we'll see about renewing. They're just canceling it with no satisfaction Mm -hmm. on cliffhangers, which is really making people, including this one, angry. And like... What do I go to Netflix more than most now? I go there for New Girl. Who owns New Girl? Disney. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a good point because why, if, if they're canceling so many shows into their runs and they're doing so in an abrupt matter, why would anybody donate all of their binge watching time to jumping into something new if the rug's going to be pulled out from under them? Also, 
you know, that's that's the difference between like an epic juggernaut like Disney and something that's a little, you know, it's got a rocky foundation right now. Netflix as it sorts itself out well, with Disney Plus coming though. out. But, I'm sorry. <laughs> they're still a juggernaut. Oh, of course. They're, they're still huge. But right. no, especially no. again, after that Disney Plus panel. Mm-hmm. I do envision a future where there is a very good chance that this service kind of comes in and steamrolls the competition because this is the only sure thing in my mind. And I do yeah. feel like it's a sure thing. When you again, you look at all those brands lined up, they've got just about everything. Whereas Netflix is going to come to rely on its original content library. It's going to come to rely on its relationships with filmmakers like Martin Scorsese. And the landscape is changing. They don't know how it's going to all shake out. Whereas Disney has as the the financial backing and the properties to ensure that, you know, let's say something comes out and it gets a lukewarm reception, they have the funds, they have the resources oh, yeah. to keep it going and work out like whatever went wrong the last time around. Whereas Netflix is just yeah. going to drop something so they could try to find the next best thing ASAP to compete. I don't know. It just seems like Disney Plus might be the safer bet if you're looking for, you know, just continuous content within the same and show. And just look at the fact that how many Disney Plus shows we already know are on the map and we know are coming that they've promoted the heck out of and the freaking service isn't even out yet. Yeah. And what do we know about Netflix? Literally, we know ne- like basically two shows that we know they'll continually put out. And otherwise, we just have to go on and see like, oh, look, 17 seasons of Sugar Rush are out now. Great. Like, <laughs> I, you know. I every time I I have to write about Disney Plus I'm sort of in this position where I'm I'm so blown away by the strategy and I do find them a a sort of frightening juggernaut in the industry right now. Yeah. So I, I look at their strategy like this this horribly wonderful master plan that I just can't help but respect but also fear a little bit. But they really like. I, I, the, even something like what they're doing with their Marvel shows, which is to say that they're not setting up false expectations. We know that most of these will be a very short one-time thing that ties directly into the movies. Mm-hmm. So if you love the Marvel movies, you have to have Disney+. Plus. They're so smart, and that's just one example of the levels that they're sort of attacking on, and I'm terrified and in awe of well, them. Well, this is like yep. Apple level. I mean, it's yep. Apple level, like, monopolization in a way. Right. Except <laughs> no. Apple needs to get their streaming service together. Well, yeah, I, I meant more <laughs> the tech side. Yeah, I'm not yeah, talking about I, I totally that get side. you. Sorry, I went back to business talk for a minute. Well, but, like, in case the original content goes to SHIT, at least I have my Apple Watch glued to my arm for the rest of my life. That's, that's uh, the strangest silver lining I've ever heard, Perry. Yep. You're yep. you one mean, of the sheep. You're literally one of the sheep. It's a silver lining for them. At least they have that part <laughs> of the go. business a Live and thriving and basically flowing through my finest. I no, I I'm very well aware, and I almost have no problem being part of that problem because their devices make my life easier. Um, one point that Gary Dodd brings up in the live chat that we don't really discuss too often is you have so much in America. Most apps are not available in Europe, so a lot goes to Netflix. That mm. is a very good point, mm-hmm. and I am curious to see. I do know that Disney Plus recently released uh, information regarding international plans and release dates, but I need to do my research on that. But that could be an interesting market for Netflix to tackle. Look at the horror section on, on Netflix, and you'll see a ton of like Indonesian and Indian yes, horror. Like it's crazy that output that's been coming out of there. So like that's a good point because. Netflix can monopolize on that mm-hmm. because Disney Plus and those, yeah, they're going to keep an American base and it's going to be very American versus Netflix is now bringing all of this other stuff in that we're not really getting elsewhere. Here's a legit silver lining to all of this is that if Disney basically, you know, owns all the broad content and wide appeal, maybe it'll encourage companies like Netflix to find, you know, 
I don't know, bring more niche stuff out there, more challenging material. So let them corner the market on that as long as other companies try new, fresh things. Well, I'm curious because I do think that one of the really good things about Netflix, even if they cancel these shows, they do keep developing really interesting mm-hmm. content. And and I'm, I'm curious to see what the content development process looks when the safety net is taken away. Yeah. They no longer have, you know, like the Marvel shows were a sure thing, yeah. right? Like that was a safety net. That's gone. And as they're losing all their, you know, the office, all their sitcom safety nets, I would love to see them lean into the weird. Let's get avant-garde, Netflix. I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, the show is winding down now, but we want to get to some of your live chat questions. In particular, a very important question from Jay Scott for real. And listen, Matt. You're going to be the first to answer this. you got to just tell me what comes to your head the second I say this question. Are you ready? Sure. To bread or not to bread? That is the question. Bread? (laughs) What? Is that the right answer? Bread? I'm I'm very pro bread. (laughs) A more serious question. You must always get that bread. Jay Scott for real backed us up with a a legit uh, monster question here, which we all love. What movie monster created via CGI would you like to see recreated with practical effects only? Want to take this one first? I'm going to let you guys go first. All right. I'll just say mine first because mine's the obvious one because I talk about it all the time. I am obsessed. Go on YouTube and just search the Mama Motion Test. I am absolutely obsessed with it. Javier Botet is an absolute creative monster-making genius. And what happened was they did that motion test, and they basically, you know, bathed his work over in CG. And I don't know. To me, it kind of loses that touch. So I didn't really love the look of the monster in Mama, but I think he is an incredible individual. And if you don't know his work, oh, my a resume down to the floor. Any movie that he's in, I guarantee you there's something worth watching in it. Scary stories. He was just in that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess for my answer then, if you're kicking it to me there. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, Just saying nothing and staring at me. Um, <laughs> we do that all the time. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Thing remake because they same thing. They have all the test footage of Amalgamation Dynamics, they're called. Sorry, that's what I was looking at before. And they did it practical. They lived up to the Carpenter original uh, or, you know, the Carpenter version, mm-hmm. and they had all the effects, and they looked gnarly and nasty. And then they came in on the back end and just went with the post-production CGI, and it looks not great. And that is a big reason why I was so disappointed in it. And then to come out and say, oh, yeah, we did the practical. We just didn't want to go with it full force. And it's like, then why did you remake the thing? So I want – go back, do it right this time, and give me the right one. I'm into it. I let you guys go first because they say they're huge cheats for both picking things that were done practically first and then painted. And now I get to call you out for it on air. Right. No. Um, I, being left only with pure CG or, or mostly something we noticed when we were searching like some good answers is a lot of them are obviously part CG, part practical, which is, I think, how you often get the best modern monsters. But um, the host I, mm. has is such a phenomenal monster movie but the monster just looks you know early 2000s slimy goopy style cg where it just you know you don't buy it so i love the design i would love to see that that rendered you know probably not in full practical but in what i was just saying a a nice combo of practical and cg and my twist answer to that is just because i want to see how ridiculous it would look cloverfield i was thinking cloverfield too gigantic cloverfield wait you kicked one more to me i'll take it really quick there's a movie called grabbers it's an irish horror comedy i love it it's basically like 
these people get stuck in a bar and they have to stay drunk to survive because yeah. the aliens can't eat God, them when they're drunk. It's literally one of my sure. favorite movies for that reason. Um, I would love to see more practical in it because if I remember correctly, there are a lot of like little Amblin cutesy little animal or like aliens running around and I would love to see them practical. So I'm going to go with grabbers as like, this. there you go. That's you got a, you got a real answer yeah, for that's me. A good right, one, cool. Okay, let's get one more question because Matt, while you're here, we have to go into the genre stuff. Hella it's good like I like or is asking us how much horror is enough horror for Doctor Strange 2? What kind of horror do you want? Oh, yeah. All of it. I mean, question. it's not going to go all of it because it's still going to be a Marvel movie and you're still going to have to get like the mass demographic. But I would love to see them push the envelope as much as they can for horror. Mm hmm. I wonder if. Derrickson I mean, can do it. We know Derrickson can. So. We, yeah. sure we know he can, but obviously we're not going to get, you know, sinister levels <laughs> of horror. I love sinister so much, so I wouldn't mind that, but that's not going to happen yeah. again in the MCU. But I wonder if, and this is just because we were just talking about scary stories. My favorite scene of that is the pale lady one. I wonder if it's going to be, you know, Doctor Strange using his abilities and almost having that, you know, like visual trickery that makes you feel like trapped and out of control. I wonder if they can kind of teeter into horror using that. Mm. I would love to see, you know, because we know it's not going to be graphic or anything. Mm. I, I would love to see, based on the title, an embrace of full-out Lovecraftian horror and the, yes. and the yeah. this sort of dawning realization of all these horrific things that are just waiting in the dark corners for you at any given moment. I think that's something you could do that's really powerful psychologically, but allows you to stay within a clean rating zone and still might mm -hmm. keep you up at night. Good call. I lie. One more question because Get I think it. this is the best panel to answer this question. Mm. Kristen Afrio is asking most underrated horror film of 2019 so far. He says The Hole in the Ground. And oh. I, I second nice. that. The Hole in the Ground is quite good. It's underrated. underrated. Yeah, I'm trying to think of underrated. You know I've seen oh, so many. Okay. I, know. I have the obvious answer. Underrated is going to be Crawl, just because uh, I think that should have been a summer smash hit, well, and it I was going to say, what's underrated, though? Because critics yeah. love I mean, Crawl. critics loved it, but Here's I'm talking, what I'll I guess say. I'm talking box office underrated. Don't let Tigers Are Not Afraid be the underrated all 2019. Right, all right. It comes out on, in a few weeks, I think, on Shudder. It's already out in New York and L.A., so go see Tigers Are Not Afraid. I mean, don't let that be my answer at the end of the year. Oh, shit. You have you seen it, Haley? No. I know. Oh, you still have it? I'm dying to, yeah. It's like on my list, but for one reason or another, it keeps getting bumped down because of other obligations. Yeah. But I I can't let what you just said happen. Yeah, no, well, don't let that happen. Well, as soon as it's on Shutter, it's it's on for me. Also, that's, Climax? Can't wait. Okay, so that's, what I, was, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. It's my number it, one right now. I was like, what's underrated, though? Because it's really like it's got great reviews. It's just nobody underrated. saw it. Maybe Escape Room. That's probably like Ooh. a legit underrated. Dude, I let dug me, Escape Room. Let me look room. up what the general consensus is I, on that I movie. I dug Escape Room, and that. now like I'm looking at my letterbox just to see what I've logged recently. Because <laughs> all it's been is horror. Like, all I've been doing is horror. I would say Happy Death Day to you as well there in terms go. of That's underperforming. Good, yeah. those, are, those are two good those ones. Good. Yeah. Escape Room has a 49% on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. Oh, no. That, yes. that is like way, way That's low for a movie of that yeah. caliber. Mm -hmm. So I, I do not agree with that. Yeah. All right. So, so we've got Escape Room. Tiger's not afraid. Um, we well, we both kind of said climax. Climax. Happy death day to you. Crawl. Hole in the ground. Hole in the ground. All right. Yeah. Let's let's tweet so about this after. Give me a yeah, give me really. a minute to look at my list because <laughs> okay. I got a ton. And grabbers. I'm gonna go see grabbers too. You have a I think whole that's bunch on a streaming. of okay, It's on good. streaming. Go Shut find it? grabbers. Yeah. No, not uh, one of the regular ones. All right. I think you Hulu. tell me later. We'll yeah. fill you all in eventually. But write those down. That's your homework for tonight. I expect you to watch them all tonight and tell me about it on Movie Talk tomorrow. Before we say goodbye, I have to thank Matt Donato for coming to visit us today. We hope to see 
see you again very soon. I was going to say, thank you for having me. And I'm Where a pleasure to be back. Where can everybody find your work on the internet? You can find me at Donatobomb, D-O-N-A-T-O. You see on the screen and stuff like that. On uh, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> and Letterboxd. Also, Bloody Disgusting, Dread Central, Fangoria, Slash Film. Just go down the list and, I don't know, I write everywhere. Do check it out. Haley, as always, thank you for joining thank me. Thank you. Adam in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. You guys rock, as do all of you out there. Do not forget to like and share this episode of Movie Talk, and then tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT Live, for a brand new one. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on Bolin Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets, and there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. Right now, Bolin Branch is offering their best deals of the year, and you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to bowlandbranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com today. See site for details.